Welcome to In The Making. I'm your host, Katie Stewart, founder of Cheyenne Studio. Today, I'm speaking with Laura Appleton, founder of Kinder Modern, a contemporary and vintage design gallery and design studio for children's furniture design. She's also the founder of Female Design Council, an action-oriented organization dedicated to providing a strong professional community for female-identified persons in the design industry. Hi, Laura. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me. I'm excited to talk to another design professional. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so I think we're going to mainly focus on the Female Design Council today on this podcast, but I think it's important to get a little bit of an understanding of your background and what led you to create the Female Design Council. So can you talk a little bit to your experience in the design industry and your other company, Kinder Modern? Yes, of course. So my experience in design has been pretty much the entirety of my career. All in different aspects, however. Um, My previous design studio was a branding and interactive and print design studio. And then I launched Kinder Modern Art Gallery about six years ago, specifically to both highlight historical vintage designs for children and the family home, as well as create a landscape for contemporary design for kids. There were incredible galleries all over the world making awesome work for grown-ups, and I thought, well, why aren't we doing this for children? They live in every room of the home, and don't we want everything to look amazing? I also was constantly seeing magazines with beautiful images of homes, and I always thought, where are the kids? Like, where's the kids' rooms? And so I sort of took it upon myself to start to help showing what it really looks like living globally with family. And so that's how Kinder Modern was born. And in that time, we've done everything from uh, global exhibitions, design shows. Uh, We partner and collaborate with designers all over the world to make cool uh, design pieces for children. And I also do all types of spatial design as well. And sort of within that practice was just coming up against a lot of frustration being a woman in this field. I was traveling the world and seeing a lot of incredible like design fairs like Salon du Mobile and you know the Dutch Design Week and um, Design Miami. And I felt like there were tons of incredible women doing exceptional master level work and I was never seeing them on the main floor and it felt like a real disparity in what I was seeing and then what I was seeing projected in the media. Yeah why do you think that was? I mean I haven't been part of the design world in terms of going to these exhibitions and in terms that I'm, I'm in that branding and web design space where a lot of what we do is digital and I don't think we have as many of these 
exhibitions as you do it more in the you know furniture design 3d design industrial design world so being able to see the people that are being presented in real life and meet them in person i think probably has this strong effect on you where you can really see like wow 80 percent of the people being shown here are men and you know as opposed to in graphic like 95 by the way 95 and in graphic design you see a bunch of things online but you don't really see this whole group of people being shown at once very often to really make that difference, um, except for maybe in a design competition. How did you take that and what was your experience with that? How did you meet and interact with the people and how did you feel about all of it? I felt like I was tired of seeing the same individual female designer talked about everywhere that this industry, the design industry specifically, had the same patriarchal stack that every industry has and that our culture as a global culture has. We just haven't had rights long enough to even be considered as equal. And societally, the focus is often on the external component of being a woman, what we look like, what our family structure is, and it's less about our technical merit and our skills and so it's not that this was so different from any other industry i also because i have worked with a lot of emerging designers i found that people want to connect and so a lot of people were reaching out and i would find their work and then get to meet them when i went to a particular city that had a fair i would take a lot of meetings as well and and you know, different cities act different ways. Like things are more equitable in the Netherlands in terms of gender balance, whereas in Italy, it's quite the opposite. And so I just felt like I was less about, I was less concerned about seeing the difference of like, oh, this many men are working versus this many women as much as exceptional work that just happens to be made by women. And so I I took it upon myself to start to highlight that work. And, you know, Female Design Council was born, in all honesty, out of my personal frustration with the American media landscape during the 2016 election. And women were being talked about so poorly on a constant basis from all types of political leaders. And I was just constantly frustrated with that communication. And I felt like there are so many incredible people doing exceptional things and breaking barriers and having, you know, innovative work happening that I just wanted the world to see it the way I was seeing it through that type of filter. And so that's how we began. And since then, it's been really amazing because I feel like I'm one of many people and organizations who have taken the task of supporting women. There haven't been a lot of organizations that support the entirety of women in design and also the identification of female as well, you know, where you can have uh, people who are non-binary as well as people who were born one gender and identify as female. And so for me, I wanted to have an inclusive community, both in 
the human part of it as well as the discipline. So, you know, unlike different organizations that focus just on industrial design or just on architecture, this was a way for all the disciplines to interact and to move work around within that community because those are all the people that are on every job, right? If you have a building being built, you have everything from the architect, the structural engineers, the lighting specialists, et cetera. We want all of those people in the room because we can help one another and we can support one another's careers by purchasing, by recommending the same way it's happening in all gender scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because the the talent is out there and there are plenty of women doing really great work. It's just that for, you know, some reason, I think the reason being just not given the opportunity, they're not on those great stages. So don't get more of those great jobs necessarily. So facilitating that is what will lead to that happening. I think a lot of that also has to do with how young girls are raised. There's gender bias in boys that we're exposed to in the the classes that we choose electives as we go through the educational system and if girls aren't exposed to science and physics and math and engineering and you know different disciplines that can help them become scientists become industrial designers become architects then it's harder for them to make that arc Also, if you don't see women in those positions, right, in the media, and they're not reflected back at you, how can you see yourself in that position? Let alone the fact if you're black and brown, right? It's even more complicated as there are differences of cultural challenges and backgrounds that kids just don't have the opportunity to see themselves. And then also in the corporate environment, there's not really a lot of opportunity to have other people lifting you up because there's not a ton of women at the top. And so I think there's still this element of climbing the the stairs or the elevator. There's a million metaphors there. But my goal is to highlight that there are those women there. We're most often doing the work with our head down instead of out there talking about the work. And so I'm helping those women to find ways in which to promote themselves, to share what they're doing, to reflect that powerful, you know, female representation and to pull others up with you. It's a challenge, especially now in the COVID climate. It's like fight or flight, worry about oneself. And I've taken the opposite approach. I think it's all about community. It's all about those connections. It's all about supporting everyone around you because we're stronger as units than we are individually. Yeah, totally. It's interesting as you talk about women not seeing other women in these leadership roles or in these jobs they have. That's totally true. And then my personal experience with that, I think is I was probably less affected by not seeing them than maybe some people, but what I experienced was more learning how to be a minority. And if you're, you know, culturally, in a group that that feels like is more of a minority at a company than you're used to that every day as a woman, um, like as a white woman, that's something that I hadn't felt like I experienced too much growing up, but then going into agencies where I'd be the only woman in the creative department or one of two or three when there's 20 some men 
and all of a sudden realizing, oh, I'm not like the other people at my job and being comfortable doing your job when you're not like the others doing it too is just another challenge that I, I wanted to mention because I think it all goes with what you were talking about and it's something that personally I felt at ad agencies over the years. But then graphic design, sorry to interject, yeah. graphic design specifically is very, and, and especially at the agency level, you know, from management up is largely male driven and largely white male driven, right? And so I think it's been, that was my background previous to this. And I did a lot of temping at every major agency. And I just felt like, where are the women? You know, like, I know they're here. I don't understand, you know, why they're not visible. And I think that's sort of a double entendre in a way, because I think that when you are in an organization and you're one of a few, regardless if it's race, gender, et cetera, of course you're not visible. You are literally like, if you can't see others like yourself around, there's like a unconscious fear of, do I belong here? Am I of value? I don't see anyone that I can relate to, that I can share with, that I can learn from, because I think that's really a lot of the issue, right? It's like, we learn by looking. We learn, you know, you're starting a new business. What do you do? You do, you know, analysis of competitors, right? I think that as people, when we go into positions, we do the same thing. We look around, who am I going to have lunch with? Who are the people I relate to? Who am I going to learn from? And you start to build a work community, right? You spend the majority of your day there. And when you don't have that, you isolate, you mm -hmm. disconnect, right? So there's breaks in the chain everywhere. And what I'm trying to do is formulate more links, right? And have that chain grow so that you feel like there's someone I can turn to. There's someone I can ask. There's someone I maybe can just be quiet in the corner and look at and be like, okay, that's what she's doing. Like I can model my own behavior or my choices in that type of way. So I yeah. think that's a really good thing to think about. It is. I want to talk a little bit about how you're doing that because you call Female Design Council an action-oriented leadership organization. I'm going to talk a little bit about what that means to you and what some of those actions are that you're kind of driving and taking and how you're facilitating this connection? Good question. Um, I think that from the get-go, Female Design Council, I felt like it was something that I wanted to be active. Like we can all talk about things, we can share, but at what point do you move through all of that and actually do? And I'm a doer. Anyone that knows me, like that's just <laughs> my thing. And so I wanted to be able to take action to support people. And that could be anything from, I know someone who's out of work. How do I get them work? Can I reach out to this pool of people and make a recommendation? We are about previously, and it's funny because I'm trying, the reason I'm hesitating on how I'm telling you this is that I think there's pre-COVID and post-COVID. Sure. You know, I think the in-person part of our business, which was the majority of our business, was a big driving factor. It was getting people in the room so that we could connect and make things happen. You know, as simple as learning about someone's product line so that when you go back to your company, you can think about it for projects, all the way to 
you know, we're working with a nonprofit called the Brave House um, in Brooklyn, where, you know, they work with teen, like 16 to 24, I think is their age group of, you know, minority female entrepreneurs that have gotten themselves out of some complicated situations. And that's what I mean by active is being able to actually do something that gives back. You know, we are basically modeling our history to these young girls where they can see, oh, there are six women who have different careers and how did they start and what school did they go to? And so that's a very active way is putting yourself in a situation, sharing about your career, taking the time to put a presentation together. There's a lot of touch points of positivity in that, both for oneself, the going through that process, looking back, as well as, you know, helping these young people see that anything is possible. We're also just, the minute we have an idea, we just push it through the chain. It's like, oh, now we're doing weekly digital talks and we're engaging design-centric crisis topics that can help during COVID. That feels very active to me. You know, when design studios have done auctions, we can immediately mobilize our people and donate items, goods, time, effort. So everything is about really stepping beyond the thinking process and pushing it through. And so that's where the the language of action oriented. Also, we came out of a political difficulty when Trump won in 2016. And so for me, again, it felt like how can we be active during this time where we need to, you know, push back against the system? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love how you phrase it. And I think the action part is really important because we can kind of talking and awareness is really important as well. That's great. You need people to listen. You need people to start a conversation, but then to move beyond that, it's like, if you're to go to marketing terms, the next level of your sales funnel, right? Like from the awareness, you need to get people to actually convert and do something about what you're talking about. So making that a priority within the organization, I think is really important and a a great thing to do. I'm wondering a bit about what it's been like to build a community and an organization as opposed to a business, because you're one of the few people I've met that has done both. You're not just in the organization community channel or just in the business channel. There are things that I, I would think are very similar in some ways and very different in some ways as well. And how have you found that experience? I have found the experience difficult. I am someone who typically in in my businesses comes up with an idea and starts it up, makes it happen and pushes it through. It's really different with community. And I also, because I am my member, and what I mean by that is I am the exact profile of what the majority of our members are. You know, I own my own design business. I'm a principal designer. I work in different capacities in design. And so I wanted to meet people where they were at. And so we took a little bit of a different approach, meaning we all are inundated, like pre and post COVID, like inundated with information. And just because there's a lot of information doesn't mean it's the right information. And so We've worked really hard to keep all of our materials, the way we connect with our community, simple so that it's there when they're ready to tap in. And that's a funny balance too. It's like 
you can, you know, I hate the expression, but like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. You know, yeah. like we can present all the resources, but it has to be when you're ready or when you need that resource. And so there's a give and take in a community connection and it's a different build. Right now, we're really trying to work on building membership. And I don't have a traditional marketing background. So things like conversion, you know, things like KPIs, like all these terms were very foreign, but I found that I was already doing a lot of that instinctually. And I think it's all about experimentation. We try something, we see how it works, we see how the community reacts, and then we instantly either fold that into the process or cut it out. And so there's a lot of quick pivots that are happening. We can try things. And I think the community really appreciates that. You know, there's a personal connection where people are reaching out directly to me. We can support them in an individual way. And so there's kind of tailored connections, but also we pull out and have these macro ways of building the community. I think there's also a lot of layers. I'm connected through various boards and task force that I sit on with NYC by design, as well as the economic development corp. And I'm using my skill sets as an entrepreneur to find ways to use those connections to further support our community. And so they're like the branches of a tree. It's like, how do you connect to all those points? and pull it back to the needs of the community. So we're constantly assessing, we're learning, we're listening, and then we're doing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. A community is kind of like a big group project, if you will, rather than a business, yet it's still a group project because you have your whole team working on things, but it has a little bit more of a hierarchy to it usually, but in a community, it's very much a lot of opinions with a lot of different wants and needs and uh, ideas. And I would imagine filtering through all that and trying to get things done is both more inspiring in some ways, because you have all these new ideas and thoughts and opinions that you didn't have before, but also more challenging because you have all these different people and, and different thoughts and needs. So it's a different kind of kind of thing to run and kind of ways you have to work to get things done, I would imagine. Then I'm every day, like yeah. every day is a new challenge, especially now. Um, but I'm, I feel also really lucky. I have this incredible network of people that I'm inspired by and impressed by. Um, we don't push also like one, and I, I'm sure that's a benefit and a detriment. You know, we should push a little harder sometimes, meaning we don't push people to sign up. You know, I think the thing that I hear the most about Female Design Council is what an authentic community it is. Uh, lately, we've gotten so much epic feedback that I'm really blown away and still processing. I've heard FTC is a game changer. My career completely exploded after I signed up. And I think that part of that is because there's a reality to how we connect and there's a epic network that we're connected to and that we can leverage in different ways. And that kind of support is very hard to build, but because we've allowed it to happen in this authentic way, it is real. And so because of that, it works as opposed to like trying to make it something that it's not. 
I'm going to go on a, a small tangent for a second, um, but I was talking to another woman for one of these podcast uh, episodes in season two, and she started an app that's an online shopping community for women. It's basically all the products are referred by other women to be you know, placed on the platform the, the first place. So anyway, a similar idea that like community is driving things. And, and she had mentioned something about how she thinks it's really interesting that women in particular tend to be drawn to this idea of community and discussion and sharing, which is something we haven't maybe seen before too much in industries where it's been very male dominated. I think it's a little bit more competitive and less sharing focus. So especially within the female focused community, I think this idea of community and helping each other and chatting and discussing things and just sharing is something that women are really doing a lot right now. And it's really helping each other out and going to kind of create this new way of doing work and kind of being in the future. So a bit of a tangent, but I just think it's interesting how you're a very different kind of community than her community. And yet there are these kind of similarities in seeing that women want to have these honest discussions with each other and, and help each other out and learn from one another, which is pretty interesting. In terms of Female Design Council, I'm sure this has changed given everything going on in the world, but what are your goals for the future and where are you hoping to take things and what are you looking towards next? Right now, I'm not looking too far ahead mostly because our focus is stabilizing the organization so that we can continue. And our goals are increasing membership so that we have a larger pool of incredible women to tap into for each of our members. We are organizing different and connecting different strategic partnerships to get the work that we're doing out into the world. I feel like there's so much happening that rising above that is really hard. And so the key is linking up with the right organizations that can share your missive, your efforts, your content. We're producing an exceptional amount of really solid, positive content right now and content focused on ways to grow your business, ways to get published. And unlike, well, not even so much about unlike, there's a lot of that class structure happening right now. But for us, it's much more, again, it's driven from the community. You know, I find that the ethos of child development for me sort of leads a lot of different things in life. And I believe in a child-led learning type of situation people will show you where they want to go. They will tell you whether consciously or unconsciously what they need. And I'm following the sort of directives of our community. What are the needs? We're listening. What are, is impacting you? And this was long before COVID. What is getting in the way between you and your creative goals? How do we bring pieces together that can help you achieve those goals and then replicate that to the rest of the community. Because, you know, and I've done that in different ways. Like, yes, we have the organization side of things where we have, you know, cultural programming and networking events and crisis management for design business education and things of that sort. But we also, like I curate and show master level work 
made by women. You know, we have companies who reach out to us looking for female designers, not that often, but they do. And I'm able to come through our network and say, here are four people that fit that RFP and like, they'll be amazing for your organization. And, you know, so there's a lot of handwork that goes into all of this that I think, you know, that type of specialization is very hard to do in a large organization, but in a smaller community-based organization, we have more ability to do that and bring people together. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. I want to tell people how they can sign up if they want to. I know they can go to femaledesigncouncil.org and give me the spiel. Who are you looking for? What kind of designers, you know, how do they get involved in your organization? So we're pretty inclusive as a community. We believe if you identify as female and you believe you're a designer and being a part of this community, it feels right for you, then we're open. However, the majority of our members fall under the following disciplines. Architects, interior designers, industrial design, makers and furniture producers. So that can be furniture makers, ceramicists, jewelry makers, painters, finish specialists, people that do incredible, you know, Venetian plaster walls, artists of different types. We have photographers who shoot design, communicators who speak about design, graphic designers who do design branding. I'm pretty straightforward. Like come and try, you know, join a digital talk, see what the community's about. Look at our member list online see if those are people that are doing the type of work that feels like your community and we'd love to have you. There are different stages of membership. We have early career, mid-career and established. You can join as a design studio. So there's a lot of different options and our, our lowest membership is $75 for the year. It's a very manageable rate for all of the both access, content, experience that we provide. And especially now during this time, I think people really need community and they need to wade through everything to find their space. And we've been able to provide that for a lot of amazing women. So if anyone out there is interested, you can check us out on Insta at, at Female Design Council or femaledesigncouncil.org. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Laura. Also want to mention your company. Besides that, it's called kindermodern.com if anybody is interested in buying some really beautifully designed children's furniture. It's awesome. I don't have kids yet, but when I do, <laughs> that's where I'll get my furniture. But yeah, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And I really appreciate what you're doing for women. So thank you again. And uh, I look forward to more.